Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Vipers ViperCast. This week, we are taking a look at those starts and sits, heading into week number six of the NFL season. Yeah, that's right. We are heading on to week number six, believe it or not. Joining me momentarily will be the Tara Roberts. That's Miss Fantasy. She's going to be joining us here to discuss her starts and sits. But before we get into it, we got to go fresh off the presses here. We got to look back at what happened last week. And then we got to kind of go through the injuries here, moving on to week six and beyond. Starting off with our week number five recap Sam Howell, quarterback five with 26.4 fantasy points. Listen, if you are a Sam Howell truther, that was the game for you right there. I don't know if Sam Howell is going to be a top 10, top 12 fantasy quarterback moving forward. But what I saw from him last week was enough to be like, hey, you know what? If I'm going to put him in my lineup, he is going to give me solid production. But it's going to be a matchup-based thing. Meanwhile, Tara Roberts is now officially with us. And I want to kind of talk about some of the things from the last week there. At the tight end position, we talk about the tight ends being a fantasy wasteland week in and week out. And yet somehow we had seven tight ends. Yes, seven tight ends produced more than 10 fantasy points last week. I don't know if that's something that we can expect moving forward or if that's a one-week anomaly here. But Tara, do you think that the tight end position is finally back after being gone for so long? No, I think it was just a coincidence of a lot of people popping back and they'll pop in and out and it'll be fluctuations. So no, I don't think the tight end position is back and stable. It's just, it was just a good-ish week that we had. It certainly was. I mean, if you were the ones that are out there playing these tight ends that you've never really heard of, Logan Thomas comes to mind again. I mean, Logan Thomas, he's no stranger to the wasteland that is the fantasy football tight end position. We've watched him be a zero. We've watched him be a hero. We've seen him go back and be relegated back to a zero later on. He's got a very great schedule coming up, not just this week, but for the rest of the season there. Washington has a very friendly tight end schedule. Maybe Logan Thomas, one of those guys we could target, uh, for our fantasy rosters down the stretch. Now, a couple other surprises here from last week was at the running back position where Jaleel McLaughlin there finished as the running back eight, and Tajay Spears also finished, I think, as the tight end, or sorry, running back 11 on the week. Now, when we look at both these running backs, we can obviously talk, they're not the de facto number one running backs on their squad. Javante Williams had that title there in Denver prior to his injury. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry is the king of the castle there in Tennessee, or at least we thought he was. Now, when we look at the early splits here through five weeks, and we've got a pretty good sample size here, Tajay Spears is getting some pretty good touches there in Tennessee. I mean, I think he's getting about 10 touches per game over at least three last five games and however that works out. Meanwhile, Julio McLaughlin has actually looked like he's the better running back altogether. Would we look at these two running backs in particular? Can we see one of these backs maintaining fantasy value beyond week six week seven week eight ultimately i do think that it will end up being jaleel mclaughlin and i that drives me crazy from a fantasy perspective because i did draft you know a decent amount of um of Devonte williams unfortunately but um Devonte is just clearly still recovering from this injury he doesn't look fantastic and jaleel mclaughlin gave you know he's had you know multiple times now in relief of uh, Javante Williams when he got injured. And then last week as well, where he's looked like the best running back on the squad. Now, ultimately Javante does have first rights to the RB one role, but I don't think that Sean Payton is particularly a man that is 
feels obligated to give to one player. So it could flip. Um, Javante will still have a role. Uh, so I don't think it's a massive bailout situation. But if the goal line touches still lean towards um, Jaleel McLaughlin, he's ultimately going to have the higher upside. And we did see some receiving value from him. I think the big loser here is clearly Pirine. Um, I think he'll end up falling back to that third RB position, and it'll be probably a committee. And unfortunately, he'll have the lowest amount of workloads. So someone can pop up, but I just, I, this, this Denver team is worrisome as a whole, really is. Well, speaking of teams that we weren't really expecting much from fantasy, a couple teams come to mind in Carolina, obviously, number one. But the thing that I find very intriguing is that Adam Thielen, he was the wide receiver five last week, and now has three games this season over 13 fantasy points. First question. Is this something that is sustainable for Adam Thielen throughout the rest of the season, especially as Brees Young there becomes more acquainted with the game? And second, Gabe Davis, wide receiver seven, and he's kind of like that whipping boy, especially for me, I know from a fantasy perspective, where I never give him the respect that maybe he deserves, but now he's caught a touchdown in four straight weeks. Where do we see both Thielen and Gabe Davis moving forward? I mean, I think obviously a touchdown a week is not going to be sustainable for um, him. It's not sustainable for anybody, really. Um, but he's, I don't want to say he's back, but he has bounced back um, post-hype. And I think this was, you know, Buffalo told us in the offseason that they wanted to put him into better situations. They wanted to get him more consistently involved. This was the goal for their offense um, because the offense just flows better when Gabe Davis is involved at a higher level. And you've seen him and Stefan Diggs be able to function cohesively together. It just works and they're going to continue to push it. So I think it sticks. It's obviously not going to continue at this rate, just because that doesn't happen for anybody. If that were the case, we'd be looking at him as, you know, the overall wide receiver one, but opportunities are going to continue to be there for him. So, you know, buy into Gabe Davis. And then with Adam Thielen, I mean, the only thing that really has potentially, you know, the ability to hold him back is again, age. So can he sustain his workload? For the entire season without wearing down, that's the real question there. But he's obviously the preferred target for Bryce Young, and he's he's Adam Thielen. He's got the talent. It's just a matter of whether or not he can hold up to that level of workload. Yeah, we're going to talk about our ages in here a little bit longer, and it's okay for us because, at least for me, I'm a little bit older and I look the part. Um, I love Adam Thielen this season. I think if he stays healthy, he's going to have himself cemented in that top 15 conversation in PPR leagues. I mean, he's going to get the volume. He is the passing game for the Carolina Panthers. Meanwhile, Gabe Davis, hey, hats off to you. i got to give you your respect here so far. You've proven me wrong. And it's not that the Buffalo Bills really forced us to believe in Gabe Davis this offseason. I think we priced him accordingly for the first time in his career coming into this season. I mean, last year, coming off that, a uh, couple of years ago, he came off that four-touchdown performance against Kansas City Chiefs. We had him way up our rankings, and that probably wasn't really where he belonged. This year, we kind of had a little bit more temper those expectations, and this is kind of where he fits. He's in that wide receiver 24 to 30 range. He can give you wide receiver two. He can be a solid wide receiver three. And I think if you've got him there as a wide receiver three, you're reaping the rewards. Now, speaking of hopefully reaping some rewards. Hopefully you've been hammering on that waiver wire because the IR has been claiming bodies 
all week long. And these are just the bodies that are actually on the IR. We lost Justin Jefferson. So hopefully you got yourself KJ Osborne. We lost Devin Achan. So hopefully you got yourself Jeffrey Wilson before he comes back. Technically, he's still on the IR. Uh, James Conner, another victim to the IR, causing a little bit of controversy there with uh, Amari DeMicado uh, De as well as Keontae Ingram. Which one's it going to be? I guess we'll find out here on Sunday. And then Anthony Richardson, he finds himself on the IR, which means Minshew Mania gets to kick off once again where it once started with the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. And that's, by the way, I'm looking forward to that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. So when we look at these injuries. Those are just the ones that are on the IR. We also know that Saquon Barkley could be back this week. Amonra St. Brown could be back this week. Austin Eckler is 99% sure that he's going to be back this week. T. Higgins, he's still dealing with that rib injury. But these are not the only ones. We've got a couple 30-year-olds, and this is where my ageism comes into, in Darren Waller, who's once again dealing with a soft tissue injury there at Giants camp. This is a guy who's had multiple soft tissue injuries throughout his career. He's now 30 years old. Hi, the the promise to never have met the production so far here in 2023. I know myself, I was a big Darren Waller fan. I had him, uh, I think it was my tight end two entering the season. So huh, I guess I, I got a little bit of egg on my face so far. But the other wide receiver, here's another guy that we love on this show. And that's Mike Evans, who is also dealing with another soft tissue injury there. His own there in the hamstring realm. And it's not like Mike Evans is new to hamstring injuries. We're talking about, again, he missed some time there in 2015. Uh, 2019, he missed three games. We also know that he dealt with hamstring injuries in December of 2020, uh, September of 2020, and then again in December of 2021, August of 2022, and then currently October here of 2023. So this is a guy who's been on the injury report multiple times, at least seven that I can remember here, because of those hamstring injuries. Now, four of those times he didn't miss a game, but you have to wonder, you're getting a little bit older. Are you concerned with Mike Evans and Darren Waller more so than maybe these guys on the IR? Because at least with guys on IR, you know they're out of your lineup for the next four weeks. Guys that aren't on the IR, they're showing up on the injury report, they're ready to debo you. Go out there and be a complete decoy, which is horrible for fantasy. So can you trust either Mike Evans or Darren Waller at this point? I, whether you are 30 or 20, whatever Jerry Judy's age is, I don't trust uh, receivers coming back from hamstring injuries, unfortunately. Um, so it's it's a no for me. If he's active, um, I can't do it. I would, you know, a low-end flex option for sure. Maybe he gets, you know, a touchdown and it saves his week or something. But you just can't trust wide receivers coming back from these hamstring injuries. They don't put them in unless you were on, on IR, that caveat, Cooper Cup, unless you had all of that time and they didn't bring you back until they were 100% sure you were 100% good to go. Um, that's the only difference there. Um, if you were, you know, limited or missing practice or this, this and that, and then you were game time decision. No, nope, nope. Can't do it. Um, Darren Waller is one where I'm less concerned about, whatever potential injury there is and more concerned about the fact that if this offense is terrible, if Daniel Jones can't go with his neck injury, what incentive do any of these guys have to get out there and play? Um, Saquon, what incentive does he have to come back this week? If there's no Daniel Jones and the offense is reeling and trying to figure stuff out with um, Tyrod Taylor, um, Darren Waller, what incentive, what's the incentive here? So no, I, I've, 
I've got concerns about these guys in the Giants offense, and it's less about the specific injuries and more about the situation just being sketchy as a whole. Yeah, I mean, with Darren Waller, man, I, I, we haven't seen this New York Giants offense as a whole since probably week number one. I mean, we know Waller's been battling some injuries. We know Saquon Barkley's missed some time. Now Daniel Jones is a little nicked up. We, I don't even know if we know what we have with this Giants offense yet. We haven't had a chance to actually see it on the field together. Maybe this week, if Daniel Jones's neck is allowing him to play, or else it's going to be Tyrod Taylor, which brings an interesting dynamic to this Giants offense in itself. But things can change. So we're, we know we're already dealing with all these injuries already for your fantasy lines. We also know that the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers are both going on by. By the way, thank you, Aaron Jones, for absolutely nothing on Monday Night Football. I took a zero, a zero, a zero in like three different leagues because I still had Aaron Jones in my lineup on Monday Night Football. And as far as I can, I'm concerned, Matt LaFleur was under the understanding that he was going to have Aaron Jones. And then all of a sudden, he didn't have Aaron Jones. So that was a huge problem there as far as I'm concerned. But you know what? I digress. I'm ready to talk about where I hit and where I missed here last week. So Tara, when you look at all the advice that you gave out last week, where did you hit and where did you miss? Sorry, if you guys can see, I'm... It's it's family night. I haven't been alone. If you heard weird noises in the background, there was just somebody sitting strategically behind the chair making strange noises every now and then. And now we've got That's this one. So, um, so yes, my my hits and um, misses. My miss, um, that one is super obvious right there. Um, there were like a couple. Of, I, I missed really badly at quarterback. I was all over the place in quarterback. Yes, quarterback. Um, all over the place at quarterback I was skeptical around Joe Burrow and obviously he had his mouth I was one week off on Joe Burrow I thought last week was going to be the bounce back week against Tennessee it didn't happen and then I couldn't um bring myself to rank him highly this week this past week and failed miserably on that one obviously then misguided confidence in Jordan Love um Lamar Jackson so yes I just I just whiffed the quarterback position as a whole um and then hits um let's say that you know running backs in general are hits um for me call out one specifically um i'd probably say no i can't say off the top of my head since i didn't prepare my hits and misses pacheco that's one right there um pacheco was a hit for me and you know guys just pay attention isaiah pacheco over the next month money that will continue to be a hit. Don't be afraid of that one. He's a absolute, like, just all in. Yeah, I think he's – right now I think he's the RB13 in PPR. And he's not a PPR-type running back by any stretch of anyone's imagination. This is an offense that's still trying to find its identity. Travis Kelsey, I hate to say it, he isn't the Travis Kelsey that we know and love right now. And that, that low ankle injury, it's probably going to be there for the next couple weeks. We know none of these other pass catchers have stepped up. I mean, I think the drop rate for Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Toney is like two of the worst in the league right now. But the one thing that they've been able to count on is Isaiah Pacheco and that ground game. And actually, the schedule, as far as fantasy is concerned, is actually pretty good the rest of the season for the running back position there in Kansas City. So Pacheco's one of those guys right now, if you are trying to trade for a running back, but you don't want to give up full value. Pacheco was a guy to target because I still don't think people respect him enough where they're going to be asking a whole lot in return. I mean, you probably could 
right now trade Jordan Addison for Isaiah Pacheco, and the guy would jump at it right now. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where we're at. Pacheco's going to have that value all through the season. Now, for me, my hit, obviously, last week, and I, I've been saying it all the time, as soon as Amano St. Brown went down, I said you could start both Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond and feel good about it moving forward. And I got a lot of hate from that because – I don't know why people thought that all of a sudden the Detroit Lions were not going to pass last week because clearly they are going to pass. That's what they're going to do. Jared Goff can distribute the football as well as any quarterback in the league. And I, I took a lot of heat for it, but I'm glad those guys came through. But where I missed, uh, full disclosure here, I said sit Zach Moss against the Tennessee Titans. And typically you sit running backs against the Tennessee Titans. And that obviously was not the case. Which brings me to my other point. I mean, we we're talking about a running back in Zach Moss who had like an 80% snap share, uh, 68% um, snap uh, opportunities there as far as that's concerned. Are we going to see this continue with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor for the foreseeable future? How, how many more weeks do we think we're going to have Zach Moss as a sustainable starter, whether it be flex or an RB2 moving forward? Do we think we got at least two or three more weeks left, Tara? I feel like two is a good number. Um, again, you know, if we had had, I keep saying this, if there was no contract, I think that he would be right in there and 100% good to go. And you get in there and you play immediately, but they got the contract. This is their man now. And they, they have to be concerned about his health and easing him back in. So they want to be cautious, obviously. So um, yeah, they're protecting their investment. And we've probably got a couple more weeks of easing back in. But here's the good thing is that um, they've been straightforward. They haven't been gaslighting us in terms of the involvement. We're not hearing like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to um, like we're not getting reports of um, like Ezekiel Elliott. Um, yeah, he's going to see an increased workload in this. No, you know, Indianapolis, you know, to Shane Steichen's credit, they've been very transparent in my opinion so they warned us they told us specifically he would be eased back in so follow what indianapolis is telling us they seem to be very transparent with what's going on with jonathan taylor so hey you know we're we're gonna need to be a little bit cautious but you know if we can get to like that 50 50 split i can feel confident with jonathan taylor i'll plug him back in but for right now just monitor what is coming out from indianapolis and make sure you take advantage of Zach Moss, at least for this week and next week, because next week is like bye week hell. I think there's six teams on a bye week in week number seven. So if you're looking ahead, at least you've got Zach Moss for one more week as far as that's concerned. Now, I also said sit Joe Burrow. Obviously, that backfired on me. I was kind of thinking we're going to get Joe Burrow after the bye once that calf got a, a little bit of time to heal. It looked like it was pretty good when he was hitting Jamar Chase there in stride. I said start Brian Robinson. Obviously, that backfired on me. Who would have thought that starting Brian Robinson against the Chicago Bears was going to backfire? And then I also said start Michael Pittman. I was half right on this one. I thought Pittman had a good opportunity, except every pass ended up going to Josh Downs. So there was a hit there for the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers. It just happened to be the rookie, not the veteran there in Michael Pittman. So I'll take those hits. But, hey, one of the things I do each and every week is I go through all my starts and sits. I go through all the questions I answer over on the fantasy points and the Roto Baller Discord channels. And I kind of look at, okay, yeah, you hit that, hit that, hit that. 84% hit rate last week when I go through all the questions and my starts and sits. And that's including missing on those four players right there. So I feel pretty good. That's up from 76% from the week before. Without further ado, let's talk about those starts and sits heading into week number six. We know we got some injuries to kind of work through. We know we got a couple teams on buys. So Tara, 
let the people know a quarterback that they can trust and maybe a quarterback they need to be fading here in week number six. Oh, a quarterback you can trust. Um, we're going to say that you can trust Trevor Lawrence this week. I know it feels weird, but um, Indianapolis has been a good-ish matchup to face for um, opposing quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been as dreadful as it appears he's been average but there's no major issue that we're seeing aside from the fact that unfortunately he is um turning the ball over rapidly so uh i think he's a fine start that said i think that indianapolis's defense is an interesting streaming option because of the turnover situation but i think that um trevor lawrence if you have to stream somebody and you're struggling here you you know Maybe you lost um, Anthony Richardson and you couldn't pick up Gardner Minshew um, because obviously that's one as well. Um, And you want to turn to Trevor Lawrence. I'm perfectly fine with that. I think this is an interesting matchup for him. And he's got his um, Calvin Ridley, Christian or Christian Kirk and potentially Zay Jones. We have to wait and see um, how that injury is holding up with him. But I think they could lean on the pass in this matchup. And then a sit for me, um, kind of lean towards sitting Dak Prescott, even though the matchup is more appealing. Um, he could have a bounce back week here, but the problem here with Dak, um, is that it's not all Dak. It's not all of Dak's fault. Um, the offensive philosophy here of Mike McCarthy is really shining through. And ultimately that's why he got rid of Kellen Moore. That's why they had to part ways. So while this is a good matchup for Dak Prescott, ultimately they might just lean aggressively on Tony Pollard. They'll continue to, you know, move the ball around, probably feed CeeDee Lamb a little bit more since he was complaining. But for Dak from a fantasy perspective, I still don't think that he's going to get us there. I just don't feel comfortable with starting Dak Prescott, unfortunately. You know what? I have a hard time trusting him too, especially on Monday Night Football. I mean, against the Chargers, you think that'd be a great matchup for him there. The Chargers have been struggling all season long. I love the Trevor Lawrence because one thing that Indianapolis does more than most teams is run a lot of cover three. And if you know anything about Trevor Lawrence, cover three is one of those coverages that he actually picks apart with relative success. So that's a good matchup for him there. Obviously, you're going to start Joe Burrow. Obviously, Kirk Cousins against the Chicago Bears is another one. Brock Purdy is a guy, it doesn't even matter what the matchup is because of how good that San Francisco team is. He's a guy you could trust. We love ourselves some Gardner Minshew on this show. I think he's going to be one of the biggest sleepers this week that I think you could plug and play right now. If you lost Anthony Richardson, just go out there and get Gardner Minshew and plug him in because Minshew mania is about to run wild once again, and I'm here for that. Some other sits that I am concerned about, C.J. Stroud, a little bit of concern there against the Falcons. Uh, he kind of cooled off there a little bit last week. Not, not major. 16 fantasy points was still good. But the New Orleans Saints, they're a tough matchup too. Um, and then obviously Russell Wilson, Sam Howell, guys. Sam Howell had a good week. I talked about that at the top of the show. I'm just thinking that this matchup this week is not really a great one for him there again. That's against the Atlanta Falcons who have held teams pretty much in check, especially at the running back and the wide receiver positions, which does kind of hamper uh, Sam Howell and, of course, my big bust alert there is going to be Jared Goff against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you're looking for a quarterback there facing a tough matchup, Tampa Bay has only allowed four touchdowns while giving up six, or well, producing six interceptions of their own. 
Now, why did I mention so many names? It's because the guy on my list, as far as my sit, is Deshaun Watson. Because quite frankly, I don't even know if he's going to play in this contest. Uh, when you look at everything about him, everything's saying, hey, he's dealing with a little bit of a bruising around his rotator cuff, which I think is just uh, turns for not being very good at football. But hey, what do I know? I'm not a doctor. Uh, but only once this entire season have the 49ers allowed more than 14 fantasy points to the quarterback position. That is the third fewest overall. And if Watson is out, this is also going to hurt Amari Cooper. So the way I look at it, this is a two-for-one type thing here because, first off, it's probably hard to trust any kind of quarterback going against that San Francisco 49ers defense. It's tough to trust any quarterback going up against Nick Bosa. We've seen how this game plays out. But for me, Deshaun Watson hasn't been that good. He's had a couple 20-point fantasy performances, but they weren't against teams like the San Francisco 49ers, and they weren't when he was dealing with that shoulder injury. That means we're going to probably see P.J. Walker under center for the Cleveland Browns here this week, and you know what? You're not going to start him no matter what. But a quarterback that I am going to start, how about Matthew Stafford versus the Arizona Cardinals, who are allowing the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback position. And now Stafford, he has Puka Nakua there and Cooper Cup at his disposal. They both accounted for 67% of the Rams' targets last week. Nakua, 20.1 fantasy points, 87% routes, 32% target share. Well, Cup had 19.8 fantasy points, 85% of the routes, and 35% target rate. If you're wondering, can Coop and, uh, can Cup and um, Nikula coexist in this Rams offense? The answer is yes. You have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two right there. That's going to give you better production than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith because you can't have any consistency with them. But we know with Matt Stafford, we're going to get consistency out of these two playmakers. Now, Tara... Talk about the running back position. Who are you starting? Who are you sitting? Um, I would like to start the person that you're going to start uh, talking about here in a little bit. But other than that, um, you got to go back to um, James Cook. I know that last week was, um, I won't even say that last week was rough. Um, last week was unfathomable to get negative rushing yards. But here's the thing. it It's not as if, another running back took over and took his spot. This is not a Najee uh, Harris situation. You're not worried looking over your shoulder and you're like, somebody else is taking. No, James Cook is still the RB one. That was just a game where um, Josh Allen was really the massive focal point of that game. And no running back had significant workload. We're not going to, it was just a weird script and we're not going to see in this matchup against the New York giants, a situation where James cook literally only gets five carries and negative yards. It's not going to happen. So this is a good matchup. You can go back to James cook, erase the trauma that happened uh, last week. Uh, unbelievable, but he is still the RB one of that team and you should feel comfortable with it. Um, the guy that you can sit Oh man, um, I, this is like low hanging fruit, but Ramondre Stevenson just, just like, I don't, there's not a single um, Patriot that I want to even think about starting. It's just a complete disaster over there. The upside is so limited. It's a good situation. I mean, they're facing Vegas. We saw on Monday night that even AJ Dillon, who was somebody who I was like, cut, 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 even AJ Dillon, it looked 
perfectly fine against Vegas, got himself a touchdown, something that he had failed to get all season long. So it's a good matchup, but I just cannot trust Ramondre Stevenson because I cannot trust anybody in that Patriots offense. So that is it that I just, I can't do it. This is like Stevenson's last stand, isn't it? If you can't produce against the Raiders, I mean, I don't know if you have a spot on a fantasy roster moving forward. I mean, I think your trade value almost dips below Najee Harris if you can't produce this week. I mean, that's saying something right there because you cannot even give Najee Harris away. I mean, we watched basically the LA Rams have been like that one fantasy manager that doesn't want to cut anybody, but they'll trade someone for basically nothing just in order to say, hey, at least we got something for him. I mean, that's basically where you're at with Najee Harris and even Ramondre Stevenson, where you don't want to cut them because they still have some sort of value associated to them to a degree. But basically, you're saying, give me anything. Give me anything, and I will send them your way. This is probably the last time that you can trust Stevenson. Now, a couple other running backs that we're, we haven't mentioned yet, Alexander Masson against Chicago. I think he's a great matchup there. And then Zach Moss. I think this is another one of those matchups here where you can feel pretty good about him this week as well. So, um Fire up Zach Moss for another week or two, and you'll be happy. Now, some of these other running backs that I feel I have a feeling about, like Amari DiMicardo, I think he could be a flex option this week, especially with his pass catching abilities. When people go Keontae Ingram or DiMicardo, who are you trusting? Well, the one thing is when when James Conner was there on third down, DiMicardo had 17 snaps to. Ingram's zero. This is when these two were back in the game. So one thing that we do know is regardless of who is the number one on the depth chart, DeMicardo is going to have that passing role for this Cardinals team. And we know that they're going to probably have to pass to stay in a lot of games. So there is an option there where you're going to be able to trust him a little bit longer this week. And then obviously Tajay Spears, he's another guy that I trust going against the Baltimore Ravens. Derrick Henry, Remember when I kind of threw it out there at the beginning of the season that this is the year to fade Derrick Henry and this and that. I mean, even a broken clock is right twice a, a day, but I I didn't expect Tajay Spears to be giving us what he's going to go. I thought it was actually the Titans passing offense was going to be much better than it was, but Tajay Spears has given us something there for the Titans. Now, a couple guys that I'm going to sit, Jerome Ford there against San Francisco, uh, Damian Pierce against uh, New Orleans. Miles Sanders is a guy that I simply don't trust right now. He's going to match up against Miami. Javante Williams, obviously, is a guy I don't trust. And Rashad White. Rashad White is another guy that I just can't get behind this week. And that is why he is my biggest bust potential here moving along. When I look at Rashad White, that matchup, I mean, there's nothing that says, hey, this is a good matchup. Maybe I should give him one shot this week because there's nothing to do. Gets the Detroit Lions. They're allowing the second fewest fantasy points to opposing backs this season, allowing just 12.62 fantasy points per game. They're allowing the fourth fewest rushing yards, 248. And White's value, it comes in the passing game. And the Lions have only allowed 113 yards to running backs in the passing game, which is the eighth fewest. Now, if we look deeper into the numbers, Detroit has allowed just one back. Just one back to produce double-digit fantasy production, while White has only scored more than 11 fantasy points one time this season. I'm not great at math, but if one team is not allowing double digits and a running back's not getting to double digits, there's a good chance that said running back is not going to get to double digits. That's basic Donnelly math here. And again, not a mathematician here, but I'm saying that's not a good sign for uh, Rashad White this week, or Rashad White managers, but who does have good value? Tara, you love him. I love him. It is Isaiah Pacheco versus the Denver Broncos. 
When you play the Broncos, I don't care who you are, you are going to start that running back. In four of the five games this season, the Broncos have been responsible for career-high performances for opposing backs. The other game, it was Khalil Herbert's second-best game of his career. Now, Denver, they are allowing 12 more fantasy points per game than the next closest team. That's right. They're allowing over 42 fantasy points to running backs. And Pacheco, he has scored 13 or more fantasy points in three straight games. And like I said, he's entering week number six as the RB13, which really shouldn't surprise anybody because if we remember what he did at the back end of last season, he was a top, I think, six running back when it came to rushing yards over a period of time. So we know that he can run the rock. He's getting that opportunity. And now he gets to face the Denver Broncos team where I would be shocked, shocked if he didn't have 150 yards rushing and at least two touchdowns. I mean, Pacheco could be your overall RB1 this week and then put another notch on that belt of career performances against that Denver defense. Now, speaking of career performances, is there a wide receiver, Tara, that you think could have a career performance this week? What wide receiver are you starting and which wide receiver are you sitting? Uh, we got to start Jordan Addison. Um, really, I wanted to say KJ Osborne is the must start if you're kind of like, like looking for a, a deeper, not even a deeper. I mean, even in shallow leagues, he's a flex option. Um so KJ Osborne is definitely someone he should not be scared of or should be afraid to put into your starting lineup. He's a solid start, but the absolute must start is Jordan Addison. Um, Addison has been theoretically playing behind KJ Osborne. He's a rookie. They're not trying to put a ton of workload onto him, but they don't have a choice now. Addison is ready to step in and be the wide receiver one. And when we look at him as a rookie and the production that he's had, um, the opportunities haven't been massive, but he has hit with every single opportunity he's had. Um, as long as they're targeting him, as long as they're going towards him, he is making it work. He has been productive. He's been efficient. He's been a strong um, touchdown guy. He has been good with yardage. He just has it all. Hands, you know, he's performing on everything that we loved about him in college and why he was arguably someone that people were, you know, debating back and forth in terms of him potentially being, you know, the number one guy off of the board because of the the, the known with him and the skill set with him. So Addison is going to have his moment to ascend and be a lead target for Kirk Cousins. And, and I think you want to take advantage of it right off the bat. Um, a sit for me is going to be Terry McLaurin, sadly. Um, just the whole the whole commander's receiving core. I it's not their fault. And it's not Sam Howell's fault either, because you know, obviously from a real football perspective, Sam Howell has a lot of things that he has to work on. Um, you know, he's making, you know, he's making mistakes. It's a journey for him, but from a fantasy football perspective, he's given what he needs to get. The attempts are there. The completion rate is there. Um, obviously turnovers are a problem, but as we've seen before with quarterbacks, you know, Hey, the turnovers, it is what it is. As long as you're getting that volume out there, the yardage, the attempts, um, your fantasy wide receivers should benefit, but they're not, they're not benefiting. Unfortunately, it's not Howell's fault. It's just that this offense as a whole just spreads the ball around so much and there's no true alpha in the offense and it's no offense to Terry McLaurin it's just Eric Bieniemy bringing over this offense that we're kind of seeing mirror the Kansas City offense and the fact that they spread the ball around so aggressively so even though 
you know, there's a dominating factor there in terms of presence. It's not showing up from a fantasy perspective. I don't like the matchup, unfortunately. Um, he could get the toughest coverage um, there from Atlanta's top corner, AJ Terrell. So I worry for Terry McLaurin this week. If you can afford to sit him, I would move that direction. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with the Terry McLaurin. We admit, I did mention that when we talked about Sam Howell's opportunity this week. That, that Atlanta defense is no joke. I think they're top eight against running backs and top eight against wide receivers. So you know you're going to be battling for fantasy points anytime you play the Falcons. With Jordan Addison, I think after the injury to Jefferson, I think he had a 27% first read rate percentage, which is very indicative of success moving forward. Well, Justin Jefferson had a 35% first read rate. Those first reads are going to go to Jordan Addison, which means that is some huge opportunities for him moving forward where he could push himself into top 12 weekly statuses. Now, some other wide receivers that we need to talk about, you know I'm going to give my guy Jacoby Myers a shout-out in a revenge game. I mean, this dude was tossed aside by the New England Patriots, and then they decided to bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, pay him more than what Jacoby Myers wanted because they thought this was an upgrade. No, 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 no. This is a revenge game of a different narrative altogether. So Jacoby Myers is a guy that I am more than happy starting in all my lineups. And you know what? He has been money for the Raiders. You could argue that he's been more productive in fantasy than Devontae Adams, especially when teams have to double Devontae and bracket cover him. I mean, Jacoby Myers has been making the most of his opportunities, and I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy watching this game because Jacoby Myers, you know he's got a chip on his shoulder going into this contest. Adam Thielen's another guy that I trust every single week. Going up against Miami, we're talking about a guy that is just absolutely going out there. I think he scored over 15 fancy points in four straight games. I'm going to continue rolling with a hot hand there in Adam Thielen. Christian Kirk, he gets a bit of a revenge game narrative himself. If you remember week number one when we all wanted to start Christian Kirk against this Colts team? One catch for nine yards? Oh, no, no, no. That did not go over very well for Christian Kirk or for fantasy managers. This is a Christian Kirk revenge game of a different narrative altogether. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown versus the L.A. Rams. We don't know what to expect. James Conner's not going to be there to run the ball. We can expect some strugglings in the backfield, which means Joshua Dobbs is going to have to throw it a little bit more, and Marquise Brown is the guy who's going to benefit. We talk about sleepers here. Zay Flowers is a guy I like, but another guy I like is Josh Downs against Jacksonville because I, I just think Minshew Mania. Minshew Gardner Minshew showed an appreciation for Josh Downs when given an opportunity to come into that game. I think that continues this week. And Michael Gallup is sneaky going against those Los Angeles Chargers. Dak Prescott might not have a good game because, you know, he's not going to throw 10 interceptions. He's probably going to throw 20. But still, Michael Gallup is a guy who's going to benefit. Now, some wide receivers that I do not like this week, I talk about not liking Deshaun Watson. I don't like him if he plays. I don't like P.J. Walker if he plays, which means I do not like Amari Cooper against the San Francisco 49ers. That is a player I am fading hard this week. Cortland Sutton versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't even know what to do with this Denver Broncos offense. Nathaniel Hackett might have had a better offense than Sean Payton. I mean, that's saying something right now. I mean, he's literally 1-0 against Sean Payton as far as coaching is concerned, but I digress. Michael Thomas against Houston. Houston is very good against in their secondary against opposing wide receivers, so that's a matchup I do not like there as well. And Debo Samuel, he comes in this week as my biggest bust this week because – He's going against a Cleveland Browns team that is as good as any when it comes to defending the wide receivers. 
Listen, they're allowing just 16.98 or sorry, 16.98 fantasy points per game. Only the Jets are in their realm. I mean, the Jets are second when it comes to this, and they're allowing 23.32. So that's a difference of, I don't know, five or six fantasy points. I'm not doing the math. Actually, it's probably like eight or nine. But now a deeper dive into the shows that the Browns have only allowed 28 receptions this season for 365 yards to opposing wide receivers. That's not good. They've only allowed one touchdown. That's even worse. But what's even worse than all that is Samuel – He's looked even worse in the last two games. He's seen just three targets in the last two games and produced a total, a total of 12.1 fantasy points. That is someone I am not trusting with my fantasy rosters this week, but who I am trusting? How about DJ Moore versus the Minnesota Vikings? Since Chase Claypool has been kicked off this team or whatever you want to call it, this Bears offense, it seems to have figured it out. This week, Fields and more that combination of faces of Vikings secondary who have allowed 90 receptions and a league high 1,048 receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. From a fantasy perspective, that works out to 47.23 fantasy points per game, which is the third most behind just the Seahawks and the Los Angeles Chargers. If you want to get really sneaky, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is a game in which you can slide Darnell Mooney in there. We can have a Darnell Mooney and a Jacoby Myers touchdown week once again. And whatever Darnell Mooney and Jacoby Myers score a touchdown the same week, an angel gets their wing. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, Tara, the tight end position, we know what kind of problem this has been for fantasy managers all season long. Is there a tight end that we can trust? And I mean, there's lots of tight ends that we're, we should be fading, but give me a start and a sit at the tight end position. Well, you're going to start Zach Ertz. Um, it's a good matchup with the LA Rams. They've, you know, been tight end friendly. And aside from that, um, Zach Ertz has been reliable. I think kind of we faded him and, you know, put him out to pasture before he was technically out to pasture. Um, they're still looking at him as the primary guy as the tight end. And we need to start treating him as such. He is older. He is not gone, though. So we're still going to go with Zach Ertz in this good matchup. Um, and then at um, tight end for who I'm sitting, uh, it is uh, David Njoku. Um, again, this is probably not David Njoku's fault, unfortunately. But the problem here is that this you know Cleveland offense just it's got a terrible matchup and the possibility of Deshaun Watson not being in there or being limited in some kind of capacity. I just get so weary. You talked about it with Amari Cooper. So I don't think we need to, you know, deep dive into it. Um, but you know, PJ Walker, potentially a quarterback, maybe a little bit more stable, but it's not like we saw Carolina tight ends pop in the past with PJ Walker. So I just can't trust David and Joku, unfortunately. That is my must set. Yeah, and Joku, I mean, kudos to him for his little at home incident and still being able to step on the field. I mean, dude burnt his arms, his hands, his face, you name it. He burnt it. He was out there. He was playing ball. So kudos to him. But I agree with you. He's a sit this week, as is Dalton Schultz against New Orleans. New Orleans has been tight. Tough against tight end so far this season. And going back to last season, Dalton Kincaid is another guy I just can't trust. So I'm not going to trust him or Dawson Knox against the New York Giants. And Gerald Everett versus the Dallas Cowboys. I know that we're going to see a shootout there more than likely, especially on the 
Los Angeles Chargers side, but the, the, the Cowboys have been tough against opposing tight ends as well this season. Now, some some tight ends I trust here, starting Cole Komet, Evan Ingram. These are guys that I feel that you need to get in your lineup. Dallas Goddard, um, another guy, George Kittle. But the guy I want to make sure that I'm getting in my lineup this week is Logan Thomas of the Washington Commanders because this guy is playing at a different level right now. And we know that Atlanta, they are tough against wide receivers and running backs. I think I mentioned that two or three times during this show. They've been giving it up to the tight end position this season to the tune of 16.86 fantasy points per game. That is the second most in the National Football League. Atlanta has also allowed 12 or more fantasy points to a tight end on four occasions this year. And Thomas himself is coming off a 20-point performance there last week. And he's hit double digits in fantasy in two of his last three weeks. Again, just doing some law of averages here. If a team is giving up over 16 fantasy points per game, and you got a tight end that's averaged double digits in the last two weeks, and we know what to expect from the tight end because only seven tight ends finished with double digits last week, then this means that Logan Thomas is going to be a top seven tight end in fantasy this week, and thus a must start. Now, who am I sitting? It's Kyle Pitts versus Washington. I'm going to stick with this Commanders-Falcons game because – Quite frankly, this has got a little bit more intrigue to me than maybe it would have had any other time of the year. But Pitts, every time that you think you are out of Kyle Pitts, he pulls you back in, people. It's like a siren there. You're like, it's like a mermaid song there. You're like a sailor on the ocean. You hear Kyle Pitts, you're like, ooh, and you start going to it. And then you get the game itself, and he has zero catchable balls. Well, okay, last week. I'll give him his credit, 15.7 fantasy points, thanks to 11 targets. And guess what? Apparently, some of those were actually catchable. The problem is fantasy is week by week and doesn't care about what happened the previous week. Now he has to face a commander's defense that allows just 7.9 fantasy points per game to the position. Kyle Pitts' seasonal average is like 7.6 fantasy points. That's not good. So if you've only got 7.9 Fantasy points that a team is giving up. Again, law of averages here. And you've got a guy named Jonah Smith. Somehow those fantasy points are going to be divided up between Jonah Smith and Kyle Pitts. I don't like this for Kyle Pitts. If there's a total of seven and a half fantasy points to be held, I mean, we're looking at four maybe tops for Kyle Pitts. That's a sit. You can't put Kyle Pitts back in your lineup this week. Now, before we go, Tara, is there a sleeper out there that you want to get in on? Who's that one player? out there i'll give you mine right now I'll give you a second to think about your sleeper because you know what i already talked i already talked about my sleeper and that's darnell mooney he's coming off a week in which he had zero points because dj moore was basically uncoverable in that contest but it's not like justin fields wasn't looking for mooney he just overthrew him like four or five times one was a guaranteed touchdown one he just laid out for about 30 yards down the field and just missed so the opportunities are going to be there the targets are going to be there it's just fields and mooney need to connect and against in this matchup here this week against minnesota if you can't connect against the minnesota Vikings secondary it's probably not going to happen now tara who do you got hi my sleeper of the week um this is a deep sleeper don't quote me on it. Don't come at me. But if you're in a very deep league, perhaps you should maybe look at Savannah Ahmed. We've got Jeff Wilson coming off of IR. It's tough to imagine 
that he'll come back to a very aggressive workload. We don't know a ton about the availability that he'll have, about the workload that he'll have. And we do know that Mike McDaniel does like Savon Ahmed. Um, so we'll see Mostert as the RB1, but we're talking about a good matchup here. Savon Ahmed could contribute and pop off and maybe have some deep flex value. There you have it. You got your sleepers, you got your starts and sits, and this has been another edition of the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Make sure you catch Miss Fantasy pretty much anywhere where fantasy football content is created. Fantasy Pros, TikTok, there she is. Fantasy Alarm, there she is. CBS, she's there as well. And Roto Underworld, you know they got her answering those mailbag questions. If you want more from me, head over to Fantasy Points, head over to Roto Baller. I'm sitting there in the Discord channels answering all your questions right up to kickoff. Again, you got more questions drop them in the comments below here if you're watching us here on the youtube channel because i'll get to those as well you drop those comments give a good old thumbs up and i'll make sure we get back to you and guess what we're coming back again next week hopefully major caldwell will be joining us so look forward to that as well especially if Ramondre stevenson has another bad week i mean i don't know if major can handle that anyway we're glad you joined us we'll see you next time